Hey, I'm Roberta Blevins, and this is Life After MLM, a podcast where we worked and the stigma of failure in an industry systemically designed for you to fail. Join us as we dive into the real life stories of survivors, experts, and advocates to debunk the common myths and fallacies of cults, scams, and multi-level marketing. Hey, Hunbots and Hunbros. It has been a week. I know. I checked my notes. Trust me. It has been an entire week since we've met and talked like this. And wow, it has been an incredibly eventful week. And that's what that's what uh, housekeeping's for, right? So a couple things, a couple personal things, and then a couple like show related things. But uh, it has been so unbelievably hot in California. We're already in the hundreds. I know I mentioned it being hot before, but we're in like, <laughs> we have officially hit the hundreds. We are there. And so we got a pool and we have been enjoying the pool. And we had a movie night the other night. We projected a movie onto a sheet that we put up. Uh, it was really cool. So I'm excited to have a couple more pool movie nights this summer. I also went and saw the Barbie movie, which was freaking fantastic. And we're going to go see it again today. It was so good. Uh, I'm going with my family this time with my mom and my sister and some friends. Um, but Abby and I loved it. It was so fantastic. Seriously, I don't, I don't know if I've enjoyed a movie that much in a really long time. And I'm, I'm making my predictions right here. If this movie does not get Oscar nominations for at least costume and set design, they were robbed. I want to live on that set. I want to open that fridge. Oh my God. I just, I felt like I was in a Barbie dream house. It was so good. It is such a good film. Uh, check it out because like weird Barbie is like my bestie. Oh my gosh. I loved it. I loved it. It was so good. I also want to welcome the newest member of the Patreon, Laura DeCapo. I hope I said that right. I'm sorry if I didn't. I'm not sure if it's DeCapo or DeCapo, but nevertheless, welcome to the club. <laughs> and one of the perks that Patreon got to see before anybody else was, uh, I know I've been talking about merch, but I got my proofs back last week and I posted them on Patreon sneak peek first. They are so freaking cute. I haven't posted them individually on Instagram, but there is a video of me reacting to them. Uh, but we have our first four merch proofs and they are so cute and so perfect and so amazing. Created by an amazing graphic designer named Lauren and she goes by Laws Creates on Instagram if you want to check out her other stuff. And I am in the process of setting up a merch store and uh, Patreon will get that link first and then I will post it sort of everywhere. So I feel like the Patreon is a place where I can kind of be myself and like toss ideas around and my members, which we, we don't have names for you guys yet, which I feel like we like all of my friends that have podcasts and Patreons, like they all have cute names for their members. And I don't have that yet. So we got to figure that out, too. Um, but yeah, so it's just it's a really great place for me to sort of bounce ideas off. And so many of you came up with even cooler ideas than I had thought of for merch. So again, I'm just I'm so thankful for the patrons. Uh, and, and I love it. I love it. If you can come stay for a bit, if you have to leave, I get it. If you come back, I get it. It's totally just a place where I just want to make it just be a little extra. If you just love the show and you just want a little bit more, you're going to find that on the Patreon. And then the thing I wanted to talk about that is so incredible. And I got this link, not only from 
my friends in anti-MLM, but also uh, was emailed this link as well. But we finally have resolution in a case that I've talked about on the show. I don't remember if it was 2021 or 2022, but it was definitely during the holiday seasons. So it's definitely a December episode because during the month of December, I talk about all of the scams that you might encounter during the holidays. And one of those scams that I've talked about is the blessing looms. And I believe one of the bonus episodes was on this case, which was called Blessings in No Time or Bent. Well, we have resolution on Bent. We have some FTC resolution on Bent. And I'm going to share it with you. I'm also going to throw the link in the show notes if you want to read this, but this comes directly from the FTC and it is on their website. The article is entitled, Operators of Blessing Loom Scheme Banned from Multi-Level Marketing as a Result of Pyramid Scheme Charges Brought by the FTC and Arkansas. Good job, Arkansas. Arkansas is the state of the week. (laughs) And Florida, once again, comes in 50th. I'm sorry, Florida. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but there are a couple passages of interest that I think you might be interested in. So, In the joint complaint against Blessings in No Time, the FTC and the state of Arkansas allege that Texas-based Bent Operations LLC and its two co-founders, LaShonda Moore and her husband, Marlon Moore, operated a chain referral pyramid scheme that bilked tens of millions of dollars from thousands of consumers. Now, if you remember, this was a scam that was targeting specifically African-Americans and people who were financially struggling during COVID, okay? And the FTC and Arkansas allege that beginning in June 2020, Bent lured customers to join their program by falsely promising investment returns as high as 800%. Like most blessing looms, Bent allegedly coordinated payments called blessings between members using playing boards with different levels. Higher level members were tasked with recruiting new participants to join the playing board and could ultimately move up and receive payments from new recruits. Well, if you've listened to the episode, basically what was happening is they were placing themselves in the center of new boards uh, and family members in the center of new boards, essentially using nepotism and cronyism to make sure that they were the winners of all these boards. It was really gross. And I am so, so, so glad that the FTC cracked down on this because This blessing loom, this secret sister, this sort of pyramid scheme is super, super dangerous. I see it happen multiple times a year. I always warn people. I always get told that I'm a hater. (laughs) Um, But now we have some FTC follow through, which is really great. So the defendants will pay at least $450,000 into a fund that will be administered by the state of Texas that will be used to provide refunds to affected customers. So if you were a part of Bent or you know anybody that was and you want some more information on this and whether or not you qualify for maybe one of these payments, go ahead and click the link in the show notes and uh, all of the pertinent information is on that page. Other than that, with this episode you're about to listen to, we are going back into MLM and we are talking about what it takes to own your own business. (laughs) That is something that comes up all the time, like I own my own business. And in this episode, Olivia and I kind of go through different ways that MLMs are not businesses and what an actual business would be doing in these situations. We're going to be talking about some hard stuff that people in MLMs don't like hearing. And there's also a really funny story about an unlikely person that was caught wearing and supporting an MLM unintentionally. I don't think there are any content warnings other than those of us who did these things feeling kind of cringy. So enjoy this episode and I will see you next week. Welcome back to another episode of Life After MLM. 
And you know what? There's this whole thing like when you're in an MLM and you're like, I own my own business. And everybody's like, it's not your own business. And it's this whole like back and forth. And so we're going to like, it's official, like once and for all, we're going to tell you why your MLM is not your own business. But first, we're going to start with an MLM story and kind of like a weird like, no, kind of story, too, that I think you guys will really enjoy. So I want to welcome to the show, Olivia Whipple. How you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing so good. Long, long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. I'm a super fan. I love hearing that. I love hearing that. That's great. I, I It's really interesting to me, the reach that this podcast has had in like the last year and like the people that I've met and it's just, we've been able to create some really great episodes. And so I, I just even want to say thank you to you for emailing me and saying, I have something, I have a piece to the puzzle that you're missing and I want to add it. And I'm like, come on, let's go. Unfortunately, I think that's why you have such a reach is because so many people get caught up in this. So that's the not so fun part. Like, I'm glad to be here, but I'm not glad about <laughs> what made me qualified for this podcast. Right. So let's start with your MLM story. Tell us yes. where you were and why you did it. Yeah, good question. So I was in Stella and Dot, which has been mentioned on the pod, but I don't think you've ever had a stylist before. We were stylists, just so you know, or not associates or whatever. Um, so we were very fancy. I got involved in Stella and Dot at kind of like, I would say their height. Late 2020, I kept hearing about this company and I kept getting invited to these, they call them trunk shows. I was very, very pregnant and <laughs> I had a baby and I did not make it to any trunk shows. And then little time passed. I have a friend who's very fabulous and stylish and fun. I'm not going to use her name, who joined Stella and Dot. And so I said, okay, I'm going to host a trunk show for you. And a trunk show is basically like a pop-up shop. In someone's home, you invite your friends over, you have snacks, set up a little mini store, people shop, talk, drink wine, whatever. So my fabulous friend came over. I had all my girlfriends over. We shopped it. And I'd say what was going on with me that made me vulnerable was I was carrying a little bit of baby weight and I was maybe not so comfortable with myself. And guess what fits really well? No matter <laughs> what size you are, shoes and jewelry. There was all this jewelry. It was very cute, but it was very like of the moment. I will say they had a moment at that time. So this was 2011. My daughter was baby, you know, old baby, young toddler. I, you know, got my hostess rewards for my trunk show and I wanted some more. I liked that feeling. I liked getting that stuff. So you do an order at your show. It actually, it would be shipped and arrive really quickly. And it would come in this cute packaging. You'd open it up. The inside of the box was like pink and blue and green. Like there's lots of Chevron going on. Lots of like Moroccan. And, and it would have like a little message. It would say like, like one of them I remember would say, hello, gorgeous. When you opened it and you're like, oh my gosh, that's so cute. Other companies started doing this. I like to think they were the first. They really keyed in on, on some little, oh, oh it's that's true. Cute, you know, I yeah. had a pair of Stella and Dot sunglasses and okay. on the inside of the sunglass case, it said like, hello, beautiful or hello, gorgeous. And that mm -hmm. was literally the selling point. I was like, oh, I need that sunglass case. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's silly, but. It worked. <laughs> it worked for sure. I mean, hey, you know, whatever works. So 
And it did. Oh boy, it did. So um, I do want to say my friend didn't recruit me. I reached out to her and said, hey, I would like to do this. So let me give you like the 101 of the company. So Stolen Dot was founded by two women, Jessica Heron, who is an entrepreneur, had started multiple companies, and her friend Blythe Harris, who is a designer. And they said it was named after their two grandmothers. I remember it was Jessica's grandma, Stella, and Blythe's grandma, Dot. Stella and Dot. That was their inspiration, um, whatever. Very cute. Okay, so it started with jewelry, branched off into other things. The vibe was bright colors, big statement necklaces, statement earrings, cocktail rings, just very like lots of color and structure used in pieces, which it was very much like what women were wearing at that time. They had a huge range of price points. There would be little stud earrings, you know, fake diamonds, whatever, for like 20 bucks, all the way up to the nicest statement necklaces would be like mid $200 range. So the purpose of those were, as you can imagine, to get women to be like, oh, well, if I host a trunk show, then I can use my rewards to buy that big, bold piece that I wouldn't necessarily be able to afford for myself. So that was kind of the hook that got people in. They added other items as well. While I was still in, they added scarves and they added bags. As a stylist, what you do is you purchase and you maintain a collection for yourself. You take that around to shows. So you put out your own stuff on a table. You try to make it organized and cute and look very appealing to people. A hostess has girlfriends over, girlfriends shop, they order. So they order pieces from a catalog that are shipped to them. The stylist earns 25% commission on whatever the sales are. And that can go up from there. That's so, like nothing. Yeah, it's not a lot. <laughs> So one thing that was also really a hook was as a new stylist, you get a starter kit and a starter kit was catalogs, order forms, postcards that you could like write an invitation on and hand them out, things like that. And then you would get a product credit and you would get to shop the entire collection at 50% off. Most people host before they join, you have like three or four pieces you get a product credit, you buy a few more pieces. The product credit would be at full price, okay? So then anything else you wanna buy, you get half off. So you get kind of this little shopping spree and it arrives and you're just like, oh my gosh, shopping euphoria. It's like, oh, as moms, we don't often get to do that for ourselves, right? So, <laughs> so it was like, ooh, I like this. This is a good feeling. And then what the hostess gets, the higher your sales for your trunk show, the better your credits. And you also need a unique number of orders to get any hostess credit at all. I have a question. The stuff that's displayed, is that just your own personal stuff that you're just putting out yes. and displaying? Yes. So you do not have to hold inventory, which was very appealing to me. That made me think it was a legitimate business. But you are buying big pieces of jewelry to show... Yes. That you are then yes. maybe making the excuse that, well, I'll wear this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How many of mm -hmm. the pieces that you bought did you actually buy with the intention of wearing versus like, I'm going to buy this and then say I can wear it because I need this for my display? Well, what an interesting question because <laughs> my plan, justifying, rationalizing, whatever you want to call it, my plan was everything that I purchase is going to be something that I put on my body and wear. I'm going to build my dream closet. I'm going to start with jewelry. 
and I am only going to have things that I love. And if I love them, my friends will love them too. And this will be what I wear. So I'm not going to spend any money at other stores this year. I'm only going to buy Stella and Dot and I'm only going to buy things I like. Okay. How well do you think that worked out for me, Roberta? <laughs> I mean, based on your speech, I'm going to hope it worked out really well, but based on what I know from talking to many people, I'm going to think that it probably didn't work out the way you wanted it to. Here's the thing. There's a difference between having an interest in fashion and being a stylist. Those are two totally different things. So just because I'm drawn to something doesn't mean someone else is going to be drawn to it. I had this collection of stuff. It was a lot for a person to have, but it was not a store. Like it did not look good on someone's table. It looked kind of sad. The first thing that went wrong <laughs> was I thought I didn't buy enough. Look how sad my little display looks. Like five statement necklaces seems like a lot to you and me, but if your whole thing is I'm operating a pop-up store, it's really not a lot, right? So that was kind of like the first, the first domino that fell when a new collection would drop. That new collection and the entire line, again, you would get the 50% off. And that happened in the spring, in the fall, and then there would be a summer capsule and a holiday capsule collection. So you had lots of opportunities to spend more money. And how long did you have from the moment that it went on sale 50% until you couldn't buy it at 50% anymore? There'd be a window. It would be, it'd be like maybe two weeks, something like that. Oh, that FOMO yeah. works really yeah, well. So, yeah, FOMO, exactly. So, <laughs> so I've already told you some of the negative. Let me tell you some of the positive, just of like why I got so wrapped up in this. So like I said, the look was very popular. I will give them credit where it's due. Recruiting was not heavily promoted. It really wasn't. The feeling was, this is a cool girl vibe. The cool girls are doing this and other cool girls will want to buy or want to join. And you don't really have to do anything because the pieces are so good and the quality is so good. Ah. And there was a lot of talk about the pieces, how they were made, how they were designed. It's like the field so of dreams concept. Like you just put out the table of the jewelry and the cool yeah, girls the table, will come. Yeah, totally. I mean, at least for me, you know, this is my perspective. I did not feel pressure to recruit at all. And like I said, I reached out to my upline and I basically recruited myself. So like I said, there was a huge focus on like the quality. So one of the founders was the lead designer. So it was lots of information. This is our inspiration. This is the look we're going for. This is the meaning behind that sales will just happen because everything's so fabulous. I'd also say, and I don't know, we're this about the same age. So you might have remembered this too. There was a lot of like, I'm going to say like minor celebrities would wear this. They got a lot of like buzz. I remember I'm, I'm like kind of my guilty pleasure is Bravo. There were a lot of like housewives that would wear it. You would see it in like in style magazine and it would be like yeah. a picture and it'd be like, you know, so-and-so wearing a Stella and Dot statement yeah. piece or like the statement earrings. And the pieces were cute. I remember yeah, having a Stella and Dot party in collaboration with a LuLaRoe party and having my Stella and Dot friend coming and we would make outfits and then they'd go over and get jewelry to go with their outfits. And we tried That's... to make it fun. I mean, looking back now, it's super cringy, but <laughs> you know, it was fun. You know, I will say I got out right when LuLaRoe was hitting it big. I'm going to be honest and say, like, if this is fashion, then I don't know fashion because I don't get it. Like, I didn't get it. I went to one show 
I made a pity purchase. It had holes in it. I don't, I don't need to tell you how bad LuLaRoe is, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I do. And you know, I wasn't really that way either. Yeah. I was like, I could sell this. People want to buy this. And it yeah. went from like wearing one or two pieces to being head to toe LuLaRoe layers, layers, yeah. layers. Let me just add one more. I don't know how I got there either, you guys, but yeah. I got yeah. there. I think it was a journey. <laughs> It was definitely um, a journey. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I would see that we had a stylus dashboard and like whenever, you know, like Kelly Ripa would wear a bracelet and it looked great on her because she's great looking, right? And they put it on their dashboard. Oh, isn't this cute? And then, you know, one of the housewives would wear something and it would go on there. And it was just kind of like, that was kind of fun about it. You know, just for me, I'm not a natural salesperson. I'm not pushy. It was really important to me to like, go with that. Hey, if you like it, cool. Be cool with us. If you don't, no pressure. Like I was really not wanting to pressure people, which is probably why I wasn't very good at this, to be perfectly honest. (laughs) I just, I didn't want to pressure anybody. I didn't want to push anybody around. I assumed if I like it, other people will like it too. And I said, oh, if someone wants to buy something, they will tell me. I don't need to pressure them. Well, I'll get into some thoughts later about whether that's true or not. And then one thing that they would do, you were allowed as a stylist to host two parties a year where you were both the stylist and the hostess. So you could do a double dip of get the product credits, get the commission, and it would be a little bit more profitable. So I said, okay, I'm going to do two stylist shows a year. The group I was friends with at that time was like, we had a lot of girls nights and just a lot of those types of events. So I was like, okay, when it's my turn to host girls night, we'll just have a jewelry party. Cool. So yeah, great friendship there. Good job. Sorry. Um, So I said, I'm going to do one show a month and two of them are me over the course of a year. So that means I have to find 10 hostesses a year. I can do that. I actually had a little bit of trouble finding that many people willing to do this. And I figured each show would bring in, in commissions, like maybe 200 to $300, which I'm not saying that's not a lot of money, but that is not a sustainable business. And it's not worth it for how much you have to put in to doing all this. So that was like my business plan. It didn't really work out. I made an initial investment. I, I didn't have the heart to go into my Quicken and see how much it actually was, but I'm, I'm going to say it was about $500. I thought oh, I could pay myself that back pretty quickly. Well, initially, and I'm sure a lot of people have experienced this, the strongest part was at the beginning. You have some friends and family who are willing to just buy something just because it's you, okay? Because they want to support you or they don't hate it, but they don't love it, but you're involved and they just, they just want to do something nice for you. Like that's a very human response. I have a handful of friends who legitimately liked the jewelry and liked hosting and liked what they bought. I do, I feel I can put my head down and sleep at night because everything I sold to someone, I legit thought looked good on them and made them feel good. Now, could we have done that another way? Could we have just gone to the mall together and picked stuff out? There's so many, I'm not saying it's worth it. I'm saying I feel okay about that. I wanted to talk about sort of like the quality and the product. Like Stella and Dot was a really cute company for an MLM. Yeah. Like it really was. They had like, I remember some of the jewelry that I bought. They had like the ear cuffs or like where you Mm -hmm. had like the little thing on the back. So you had like the little, it was super cute. The little bars with the little studs or little, Mm -hmm. just really cute 
like earring sets. And I even had a bracelet that had like some engraving on it that said some sort yeah. of like, you are beautiful. At one point, or they had a line of engravables and that was really fun. You could have an engraving party with your friends. And I had one of those. I, I learned all about monograms and how monograms work. Yeah. I <laughs> did an engravable you. necklace. I want to say it was Stella and Dot and it was my daughter's birthday in Roman numerals. Oh, so it was really cute. Yeah. And I think it was selling dot. And there were so many cute. It was like dainty gold. little. Mm-hmm. I loved it all. It was so cute. Here's the other thing. And this is where it comes full circle where we talk about how it's not really about the product and how everything's pretty much overpriced. So there was a mm-hmm. time in my life before I got into MLM where I was always looking for like a side hustle or something like, what can I sell? What can I do? And I was really into like going on like Ally Express and Alibaba and all of these websites where you can just get a ton of stuff. And mm-hmm. I went and I bought a bunch of jewelry because I was like, maybe I'll resell jewelry. Again, this was before I even joined an MLM. I was like, maybe I'll resell jewelry. So I would pick random. And when you buy one, you pay a little bit more, but still it was only like, you know, under $3. You have to wait like two months, but it was like under $3 <laughs> for a necklace. So I would get like one of this, one of that, one of that, just to see, just to see if I liked mm-hmm. it. And then I thought, hey, again, just like joining Stella and Dot, well, it's my necklace of, you know, whatever, at least I have this necklace and I'm buying like really cool statement necklaces, just, you know, wild stuff. And I got this gold necklace. Very cute. Then I was looking in a Stella and Dot magazine catalog, whatever you want to call it. And it was the same necklace. And I was like, what? Mm. So I reach out to my Stella and Dot friend and I was like, oh my God, I have that necklace. She's like, it's brand new. Like it just came out. And I was like, I've had it for like a year and a half. She's like, where did you get it Are from? you saying that Blythe didn't design that? And I was like, I got it on Alibaba for like $3. <laughs> and she was like, no, it can't be the same. And so I brought it to her and we could not tell them apart except for hers yeah. had a Stella and Dot tag, like a little. Wow. Um, yeah. It was I the mean, exact same necklace, like a year and a half later for like $50 more than I had paid for yeah. it. Yeah. I, I mean, I wonder, did your friend say like, Alibaba ripped off Stella and Dot because our designs are so good. I'm sure. I'm sure there was something like that. Like, I do remember actually, now that you say that, this is so weird. It's like a memory unlocked. I remember her saying that because people had recently said that about LuLaRoe and it was fresh Uh in my mind because they're like... There were people that were like buying huge quantities of LuLaRoe randomly. And so uh-huh. people were like, they must be people trying to steal the pattern so they can make counterfeit. Don't sell your LuLaRoe leggings to people that you don't know. It was this whole thing. So, wow. I haven't thought about that in a long time. So that <laughs> was then this, they're counterfeiting. So I remember when I showed her, she was like, oh, it's a counterfeit. And I was like, it came out like a year ago. Yeah. It's not you. No, this doesn't make yeah. any sense. And I think that was probably the last time that I ever bought anything Stella and Dot because I <laughs> saw that it was a scam, but I still continued in LuLaRoe for like at least another year. Yeah, I mean, like definitely they had a look and a vibe. They also had delicates. They had just little stud earrings just because, I mean, most people will at least be willing to buy a $20 pair of stud earrings, Right. They had delicates that were like the sales angle was, oh, well, maybe you're just more of a Tiffany's girl and you need this. There was this one necklace. It's probably, I don't think I ever had a trunk show where I didn't sell this necklace. And you see it a lot now, but I think they were actually kind of like ahead, the trendsetter on this one. Um, It's just a cross necklace. It came in silver or gold. I mean, not real, but, you know, silver or gold plated. And the cross was like not centered. 
it was like on, kind of on the side. So it, anyway, it was just like a little bit trendier and it did look like a lot more expensive than it was, you know, when it was brand new. So, so yeah, so they had, they had for sure a range and probably what they did was not designed, but cultivated a look from different manufacturers in China. I know for a fact, the product was made in China. They were upfront about that. If yeah. <laughs> a lot of things are made in China. So yeah, but that's, that's interesting that you, well, Nancy Drew over here. <laughs> it was totally Nancy Drew was a too. Stella and dot necklace. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's really interesting. The other thing is you mentioned like celebrities and, yeah. you know, the way that MLMs will promote things. And it's really interesting because Stella and Dot is one of the few MLMs where celebrities were actually wearing the mm-hmm. actual product. Yeah. Uh, you sometimes you'll see like, you know, maybe Taylor Swift, someone gets a shot of Taylor Swift nails and like the color street people are like, oh my God, she's wearing golden sunrise. And it's like, no, she's not. <laughs> She's not. There's no yeah, way no. Taylor Swift is wearing color street. There's just no, no way. And it's that sort of yeah. stuff that you see. And or uh-huh. like Beyonce's hairstylist loves Monet. That was another one that went around for a while. <laughs> and it wasn't. It was one woman who braided Beyonce's hair one time was yes. like a Monet rep or something. Like it's this weird thing. But the thing with Stella and Dot was it was actually celebrities who were actually yes. wearing these things. Yeah, legit. Penelope Cruz wore oh. one of their necklaces one time. That's probably like, I would say the most A-list person. And they renamed that necklace the Penelope. Wow. Like, which I would have too. I mean, <laughs> right? like, did they wear it yet? Did they buy it? Probably not. Probably right. they shipped this stuff to anybody whose address they could get. And whenever they could get a shot of someone wearing it, they promoted it like nobody's business. I mean, I will give credit where it's due. These stylish people chose to put that on their body and wear it around and go for a certain look. Wait, they wear it twice. I'll be a lot more impressed. Though. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So this is a good segue into yeah. the interesting person that ended up wearing oh my gosh. Stella and Dot in an incredibly <laughs> famous photo that people just were like, oh my God, do you know who loves Stella and Dot? Well, when I say influencer, I'm sure the first person that comes to mind is the late Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Head over to quince.com and grab yourself a little something something and support the show by supporting our sponsors. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and say hello to lightweight fabrics and classic styles. I have been taking advantage of the beautiful weather and getting outside for daily walks, and I cannot say enough good things about the Flow Knit High Rise Boyfriend Jogger from Quince. Seriously, running errands, doing school pickups, swinging by the farmer's market, or taking Jaja for a stroll around the lake, these bad boys are versatile. I love the deep pockets, the high waistband, and the internal hidden drawstring. They're quick drying, moisture wicking, antimicrobial, and the four-way stretch makes them so comfortable. They're made with 88% recycled polyester, and the Global Style Standard Certified Yarn dramatically lowers environmental impact by diverting landfill and ocean-bound plastic. Not to mention using recycled claims standard-approved dyeing, washing, and manufacturing processes with low-water and eco-friendly dyes. 
They have become an absolute favorite and you can save up to 59% off the high-end counterpart by shopping with Quince. Throw on a cotton doll scoop neck tee and some sneakers and you've got a perfect effortless outfit. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash MLM for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash MLM to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash MLM. Do you ever wonder how much of your personal data is out there on the internet just for anyone to find? I promise it's more than you think. Your name, contact info, social security number, home address, even information about your family members. It's all being compiled by data brokers and openly sold online. This can lead to a lot of problems, including identity theft, phishing attempts, harassment, and unwanted spam calls. But now you can protect your privacy with Delete Me. Signing up for the service is super easy. Just provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. They send you regular, personalized privacy reports showing what info they found, where they found it, and what they removed. I got my report and I was floored with the results. Of the 105 data brokers they checked, 83 of them had my data. Delete Me then removed 173 listings of my personal data off the internet, and they make sure that it stays off too. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me at a special discount just for our listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and use promo code MLM at checkout. The only way to get the 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash MLM and enter code MLM at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash MLM code MLM. babe rbg yeah i mean so i will say this company didn't have a political bent as far as i could tell the story is so there's a very famous picture of the supreme court justices and rbg legend that she is is wearing this like gold kind of like armor collar necklace so that is actually a stellan dot piece (laughs) it is the pegasus um, it was the year it came out the Christmas year that I was in, in the Christmas capsule collection and it was on the cover and they were really pushing it. The story is, I, I don't even remember how I know this, that her friend saw it, bought it, gave it to her and was like, Hey, I think this is a cool necklace for you because you always wear collars. And so she did. Did she have any idea what Stella and Dot was? I seriously doubt it. Well, then she randomly wears it yeah. in the photo that they take of the Supreme Court yeah. for like the whole year. And she's yeah. wearing this Stella and Dot collar necklace in it. I mean, hey, if I designed a necklace that someone at that level wore, I would promote it too. It was kind of fun and cute. But at an MLM, they never stop at fun and cute, right? We have to push it. So I was out for many years at this point, but I did I saw on social media, I still follow, like I get their emails just because I'm always curious and, and I see other stuff on socials. And when she passed away, they brought the Pegasus back and the Pegasus is on their website right now. It is a $219 necklace, a lovely lady, not necessarily a style icon. 
Um, so, <laughs> so, you know, they were like, oh, honor, honor the late RBG by buying this necklace. I'm like, or you could just go on Etsy and buy a t-shirt that says I dissent with a collar on it, which is like a $30 fix to that particular problem. So I feel like there are so many other places that RBG would have been like, spend $215 yeah. somewhere Donate else. to the ACLU. <laughs> right. Donate to the ACLU, right? Like yeah. do something else with that money instead of buying a necklace. And it's not the descent collar that like everybody knows, like the wavy one with the dots. Yeah. And, like, it's, it's not, not that pointy one. pokey one. It's like, it's got these, like, it almost looks like sun like rays Roman? that come out. Yeah. Very like, like Roman and metal and kind Gladiator. of armory. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's very RBG in that like whole collar thing. Yeah. But like, no. <laughs> that's horrible. Of course, when she passed, they were like, you know what we have? An marketing yeah. opportunity. Yeah. Horrible. I mean, let's just say I was glad to be out at that point. Death is just not a good way to promote your business. No. Yeah. Cringy. No. There's like a few industries where death is something that you can promote and be successful. Yeah. But most no. Oh, can I talk about corporate branded MLM cards? Yeah. So, so like I said, you get a commission based on your sales, 25% of your sales. So then every week you would get a direct deposit to a branded Stella and Dot card. And I really want people to understand that these cards are a scam. So they put money on your card. Okay, try getting that money without spending more money to get your money. I dare you. There's a fee to take a withdrawal at an ATM, a fee to transfer, a fee to use it, a fee if you don't use it. So they'll basically just charge you fees on top of everything that you're already paying, such as the minute you buy catalogs, those catalogs are outdated because there's a new line coming out. There's pieces that are getting retired constantly because they need to make new. So you have pieces that you bought for your display that now you either keep them, give them away. You don't want to wear it because you want to be promoting your current line whenever you can. So it's just, an, oh, by the way, every time, even if you get product credit, you still have to pay full taxes on your sales taxes on whatever those items are, the full price of those items, so, which you should, everyone should pay their taxes. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like the free stuff deal that you might think it is. You always have to pay to ship no matter what. Now that you mentioned that card, I remember having a LuLaRoe card. I don't know if it had like a MasterCard or a Visa, and I'm not even sure. And they would put money on it and then you could use it. You could pay for gas or whatever, mm -hmm. like anywhere that you could, like an EBT card or something. And I do remember getting money off of it or transferring it. There was even just like a dollar fee where you're like, okay, it's not a big deal, but it's still a dollar, right? And if you think about all the people in the company who are transferring money, however many times they need to, times a dollar, you know what I mean? That's a lot of dollars. Yeah. But here's the one time that I remember that it didn't cost me money and it actually saved me money when I used that card. And that was when I was purchasing LuLaRoe with it. Oh. They would give you a discount if you oh, used wow. your, like your store credit type card. You could get a discount. That's pretty evil. <laughs> there was all kinds of shady stuff about that LuLaRoe card. I should find somebody that remembers that and maybe we can yeah. break down that because I know it happens other places. But that card was super shady. And we advised everybody as soon as there was any money on it to get it off because they can mm -hmm. lock those cards down too. Mm -hmm. It's not a lot of money to begin with. And then it's so hard just to get the money that is owed to you. It's, it's really unfortunate. I mean, like 
honestly, I probably just ran up a balance on it. And then when it would be time to buy the next collection, I'd probably just use that card. That's, I don't remember. I think I might be blocking it out, but that's what I think happened. So anyways, that's the 101 on Stella. There were other funny, silly things that happened. I will say I stand by the fact that this company, they really go out of their way to be like, we're not like the other MLMs. And in some ways they aren't. And I think we've, you know, we've done a good job explaining that this was like a legit brand, but an MLM is an MLM, dang it. And and absolutely, you can think that you are above all that, but you are not my friends. You're really not. We can split hairs about your MLM all day. Yeah. About what the product is and how it's helped you and how you know people. But when I ask you the question, but is it an MLM? And you say, yeah, then the answer is the same. It's a scam. Like it yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. doesn't matter how great these companies are in any way. Inherently, it is built for you to fail. And that is a problem. Yeah. And like, does, does the company care if they have thousands and thousands of stylists who are willing to spend $500 of their own money to buy this stuff a year? No, they love that. They bank on that. Yeah. That's that's built into how it all works. I mean, they they appreciate yeah. Yeah. they appreciate the failure. That's how the top 1% can have so many lake houses and cars and vacations. So you get out of Stella and Dot, you leave yep. and you start your own business. Yes. So tell us about this business that you have and then we'll get into well, you know, what you discovered. Usually when I tell people about my business is when I, <laughs> when I scare them off. So I hope I don't scare you off. So I am by trade an internal auditor, which sounds really scary and really intimidating. It is not. I'm nice. I swear. I was a working auditor while I was taking around with this jewelry, wasting my time, making myself tired, making myself resentful when my friends wouldn't buy stuff from me. All the nasty stuff that like you think you're not going to get caught up in, but you are. (laughs) So somehow I managed to maintain my job (laughs) during all this. And one of the best things about my career is that I met my business partner, John. I'm going to use John's name because John said I could. So John and I in 2018 went live with a company called the Audit Library. And the Audit Library, I won't, I won't get into it too much. I'm sure there are like at least a couple listeners who are in the industry. And I would love it if you guys could like find me and connect with me on LinkedIn. But so what are we? We found that there was a real gap in the market of resources that were at a quality where we could actually use them in our business. So auditors have to spend a lot of time writing stuff ourselves, creating work papers from scratch on top of running a department, looking for fraud, looking for weak controls, all the stuff that we do, we end up basically being full-time writers, which is a lot, it's hard for people. So So the idea was a library of documents that auditors subscribe to, and then they can download anything they want. They'll still have to do a little bit of work themselves, but we at least give them a template to follow to then make things specific to their own company, their own department, their own experiences, so they can kind of get 90% of the work done for you, right? Wow. So shockingly, this didn't exist. (laughs) Yeah, shocking. I was like, wait, this didn't already exist? Um, I'm in the credit union industry, which anybody on the line of listening that if you're not a member of a credit union, I would definitely encourage you to go look into it. it. It's one of the best deals we have going in this country where we do have a lot of people being taken 
advantage of by different financial institutions and credit unions are actually not for profit. So they're like not for profit banks. They usually will offer the same services that a bank will offer to you, but they are not in it to make a profit. You are not a customer, you are a member. You actually own that credit union along with the other members, and you don't earn interest, you earn dividends because they are paying you dividends because you are an owner. So usually the wow. rates on loans are lower, the rates on deposits are higher, and you just have more altruistic people kind of looking out for you. I had no idea mm -hmm. that the difference between a bank and a credit union was that. Yeah. It's almost yeah. identical except for the profit, nonprofit aspect of it. That's mm -hmm. And the dividends, that's really cool, actually. Yeah, they're great. And I mean, we work with a lot of credit unions. We're basically in all 50 states at this point. I think Wyoming, call me, but um, they're my, they're, I think North Dakota's holding out on me. But we're, we're in most of the states and I can just very comfortably send your listeners to a credit union to get their financial needs taken care of affordably and, and personally. Like they're a lot more likely to look out for you. Let's just say it that way. Yeah. But I love banks too. Banks, feel free to use my website. <laughs> but, but that is our focus. And I will say the credit union industry is very neglected overall. So we were trying to sort of step into that role and really give them resources. And it's our background. So it's what we know best. So that's the core business. We also do a lot of consulting work. I can just say uh, I'm a better audit consultant than I was a stylist. <laughs> so <laughs> I think what I would do, what if it's okay with you, I'll go through sort of like the differences between an MLM and like a real business, at least in my experience. And then I'm sure you'll have examples as well. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. So I think the main thing in an MLM, you're going to start out really strong. Like if there's ever a time when you're going to have a lot of interest, it's going to be right at the beginning and people, you know, they'll, they'll be willing to make a purchase and you might feel like, okay, cool. I'm starting something. Well, either at that point you start building the pyramid or your business dwindles down. And a real small business, it's very common to really start with nothing. So you probably know this, Roberta, you have a website. If you have a website, it's going to take Google a while to even know who you are. So, <laughs> so we spent like the first two months that our website was live, just Googling ourselves and going through 200 pages and finding ourselves and clicking on ourselves. And that's just the most basic way wow. to build up SEO, search engine optimization, for those of you who don't own websites. So like, first of all, people have to find you. And when you're brand new, that's like, they're not going to find you. So we were, and John and I were trying to remember, like, how long did it take us to find someone outside of our professional network who actually subscribed? Just they found the website, liked it and subscribed. It took about three months. Okay. So no shame in that. The second one took about a week after that. Yeah. So we were pinging for the things that people had been looking for and didn't have a place to land. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. It's come up before we talk about the warm market or like that piping yeah. hot market, your mom, your sister, your best yes. friend, your neighbor, your coworkers, all of the people that when they ask you to write that list of a hundred people, it's like the first 10 names. Those are the people yeah. that are going to support you for probably the first three months. A lot of times it's yeah. the first three months because there's three months subscriptions or three months. Like you have to do this for three months. I know like with Monet, you have to do three months of the shampoo when you sign up to get the deal or whatever. So yeah. it's usually that first three months where people are like, oh my God, this is working, right? The first month, yeah. like it's working. I sold all this stuff. And then you reinvest everything 
right? And then that Mm -hmm. sunk cost fallacy starts. Yep. So now you're reinvesting. And that next month, all of those auto ships from that three-month subscription come through. Yay, it happened again. And you invest even more. And maybe this time Mm -hmm. you're like, you know what? I'm going to invest a little bit more of my own money now. And now we're bankrolling more of our own money into this MLM. And it's like this Katamari ball that's just getting bigger and bigger and the sunk cost fallacy. Yeah. And by the time that those people's subscriptions are like, well, I'm good on shampoo. I'm good on that. I'm good on shakes. I don't really drink a shake every day. So this month supply is going to last me three months. And people start dwindling off. Now you have to start finding actual customers, right? which is the really hard thing because there aren't really any actual customers because the whole thing with MLM is you turn the customers into sellers. So the people yep. that are already super hardcore about the product most likely either own so much of it they don't need anymore. They have yep. a bestie that already sells it or they sell it themselves. And that's just yep. not how it is in a real business. You would never, as a hairstylist, I am not like cutting people's hair going, you know what you should do? Go to beauty school. You should go to beauty school. <laughs> what if you cut and learn your own hair? hair. <laughs> The Um, cool thing though about a podcast is when people are like, I was thinking about starting a podcast. There's not really a ton of like competition in the podcast space, except for just hours in the day. (laughs) So I'm like, start one. There's no competition there. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I did put in my notes, MLM, you must recruit to sustain your business, real business. Why would I recruit my competition? Absolutely. Like, why would I do that? Now, I will say I have conversations with people all the time about their businesses and can I give them advice? Can I help them? Can we work together? Can we collaborate on something and go after the same clientele and give each other business? That's just called like being in a professional network. (laughs) Right. But yeah. Like I would never be like, hey, credit union, thanks for subscribing. <laughs> Want to start your own <laughs> company so I can compete with you? Like, and then you pay me a cut. It just like, that's not a thing that real businesses would do. You brought up expenses and the sunk cost fallacy. So I want to just say, I don't really have a this or that. I think we've gone over like how MLMs just kind of drain you like a, a drip, drip, drip of money. Here's how I started my business from like an expense standpoint. So very low investment in terms of dollars. So what did we need? We needed a domain name. We needed hosting. We needed some design tools to build a website. Basically sweat equity after that. We started, if there was a free version of something, we would start with the free version. And then when we could afford it, we would upgrade to the paid version because we could afford it because we knew from the free version that it worked and that, you know, these people deserved our subscription and and earned it really. So, you know, there's lots of things like that that go on with websites as, as you know, but I'm letting the listeners know. So, I mean, it was really a labor of love. I'm going to say the first year. We did not pay ourselves. We reinvested back into the business and it took time for us to gain traction so that people knew who we were and what we did. And by that point, we felt okay making more of an investment because we knew we were investing in a proven model. So I do pay myself now just in case anyone's wondering. (laughs) Literally, you just told my story of starting the podcast. Yeah, you absolutely did. Because it was a labor of love for me too. Lots yeah. of sweat equity in this show a lot. Yeah. And the first year it really was like, if I got an ad and I was like, oh my God, I made $50 and I upgraded my microphone because people were yeah. like, your audio is not so great. So I upgraded my <laughs> microphone, you know? And then yeah. I was like, I, my editing, like this editing software I was using was horrible. And someone's like, we'll just use this one and it's free. So I use that and it's great. I use it. And it's, yeah, mm-hmm. I would get certain programs that were free. 
I remember in the beginning when, before I paid for zoom, you're like, it's about to end. Uh, I'm going to make another link. Just hop on the next link. And we would just do these 40 minute conversations recording them until the podcast was making enough money where I could justify yeah. spending, I think it's $25 a month or something stupid. Yes. So I could justify that, which is another reason why I have Patreon and things like that, because there's an ongoing yeah. cost once you start climbing in your business and yep. you need these tools to make your life easier, I have a scheduling tool I pay for. I've got my StreamYard, my Zoom, so many things that are a yeah. monthly expense just to run the show. Yes. And I used all of the free versions until the free version wasn't enough. And I had yeah. to upgrade 100%. Same. I'm so with you. I, I think all of that is fantastic business advice when starting a business. But one thing I just want to let your listeners know, don't get an idea and go hire a lawyer to protect your idea. That is really a waste of money. Like work your idea and see if there's something there and there's a business there before getting lawyers involved. So I do own the copyright. Well, my partner and I, we own the copyright to the audit library. That wasn't really worth anything <laughs> until the audit library was up and running and successful. And then we wanted to protect it. And then when we could afford it, we got a lawyer involved who gave us really good advice about how to protect our brand. But we didn't just go out looking to hire intellectual property lawyers right out the gate because they are very expensive. And I mean, our lawyer's great. He worked for that money. No shame in being a lawyer, but but definitely it's okay if you don't have a lot of money to start out. Like that's a very common and I and I want people to feel okay about that. But even having this conversation, talking about IP lawyers and talking about different ways to protect yeah. you and trademark your stuff, this is not any conversation that anybody in MLM would have because no. you don't actually own no. Sensi or Pampered Chef, or whatever MLM you're in. You don't own the trademark. You don't own the business. You don't own the right. company. You wouldn't need to talk to an intellectual property lawyer about your Sensi business because you don't own Sensi. Yeah. So like yeah. even this stuff, just talking about this very basic stuff, you will never encounter this in an MLM because an MLM is not actually... I mean, the MLM is a business, but your portion you're not. of the MLM, the MLM is, is not, not a business. I would, I would take it further and I would say... At an MLM, you are completely reliant on other people always, okay? All decisions about that business are made by the headquarters, the founders, whoever owns that business. They can change the rules on you at any time with no notice. They can just pull the rug out from under you. They can pull products from the line. You signed mm -hmm. a policy and procedure clause that said they could. Yeah. Like, there's like a thing that says, and at any time we can change anything you want, just sign below. And yep. you're like, yep, that's fine. Like, I'm sorry. It's that's hard to hear. I'm sure for some people. Also, if you have a downline, you live or die by your downline and what they do or don't do. So let's contrast that with owning your own business. I make decisions for my business. I am not reliant on a company above me. I've made the choice not to have employees and just to do the work myself. So I'm, I rely on myself and my business partner to run this business. And, you know, at the end of the day, I'm accountable to myself. Yeah. I mean, I just finally hired help, you know, yeah. contractual for now. We'll see where it goes. Yeah. We'll see how I, you know, what happens, but you know, and I just hired another person to do another thing that we're working on that I'll tell you guys about later, but you know, it, it's, it's getting to that point. Like you're, it's not the same as an MLM. I mean, mm -hmm. any of this stuff, like this was, these were never conversations I ever had. Right. In row, yeah. Even once. <laughs> yeah. Um, here's one. This one's kind of, I think maybe we're going to poke a little bit of fun at ourselves here. So I'm a 
going to speak for myself. In the MLM, I was always trying to incentivize people to buy. So we had what was called a mystery hostess party. The mystery host, let's just say the closest I ever came to making money was when I would do this. You invite your friends over, you say everyone who purchases is entered to be the hostess and get the rewards, but we don't know who it's going to be. Everyone put in your order and at the end of the night, we'll pick who the hostess was and the hostess gets the credits. The opportunity to be the hostess and not have to do the work because I had already done it was the incentive. Make a purchase this month and be entered into a gift card drawing. Sign up to be a subscriber and get a, be entered into a raffle for a free pair of earrings. I was always doing things like that. At the audit library, I don't have to do that crap. <laughs> Sorry. I, I do very few deals and giveaways. Like when we go to a sales event, um, like a professional conference, we will offer swag with our logo on it. That is an expectation. It's not really, people aren't going to say like, oh, I'm going to buy this because you gave me a pin. It's just expected. It's what you do. The product is valuable. So I don't need to come up with reasons to give people to buy my product. And this is actually kind of funny when we started out and someone would subscribe, I would tell my business partner, like, well, let's send them a Starbucks card. He'd say like, why, why would we do that? <laughs> that's, like, that's not what they signed up for. They're fine. They don't need your Starbucks card. It's like, like my brain was still, it, it took a little while to get over some of that stuff. It reminds me um, of like the ridiculously large baskets that like Michael Scott was going around and like yes. delivering on the office, trying to get old customers back. Yeah. And when they like didn't sign, he's like, give me that basket back. He's like, well, I, I yes. ate it. <laughs> it's like that kind of thing. Like that just doesn't really happen anymore. That's not really how people incentivize and like how you create business relationships. Yeah. I remember in LuLaRoe, the first thing that I did, oh my God, this is so embarrassing. We're going to talk about yeah. me being a hun and then we're going to talk about... <laughs> We're going to poke fun a little bit at the stuff that Huns do as well. But I remember the first thing that I did to just like you just said, like sending a Starbucks card to somebody who's already become a customer. Anytime anybody joined my team, I would send them a copy that I had ordered and signed and put like a little welcome to the team on the inside of this book called The Go-Giver, which was like Lula Rose, like you have to read okay. it. It's an amazing book. It's We've talked about it before, but it's it's basically like instead of being a go-getter and going out and getting things, go you're a go-giver. So you give people things in the hopes that like yeah. karma brings it back to you. And it's a great message, but the way that MLMs have co-opted it makes it super problematic right. and gross. They can always take something positive Absolutely. and turn it into something cringe. Always. So it was that book that I would, I mean, I had like so many of them. I would buy them at like in like groups of five when I'd order them on Amazon just to have them on hand. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I would send those out to people who had already joined my team. Like, welcome to the team. Yeah. Read this book. It'll change your life. Like whatever. Right. Yeah. We also did like, I don't think I necessarily ever did anything that was like, if you place an order by tonight, you'll be entered to win. But I know people above me and like my uplines did that a lot of times. If you place an order, okay, you can be entered to win a hundred dollar, whatever. Mm -hmm. They gave away teaks shoes a lot, which are these like little belly oh, yeah. flats that are like a hundred dollars plus each. So you'd be entered to win a pair of teaks. So people are like, oh, cause everyone in LuLaRoe, that was anyone in LuLaRoe had teaks. Okay. Oh my God, I need a pair of teaks. I need a pair of teaks. They're little teal bottoms and everything. Just ridiculous. Yeah. So you're spending $500 to get on the back end, the promise to maybe make a thousand for the chance to win a hundred dollar pair of shoes that you could have literally just bought five pairs of. You could have just bought them. 
Yeah. And it's like, just comment here with a screenshot of your order. Hundreds of comments. Mm -hmm. And when, because it was a pyramid scheme, you guys, everyone was being incentivized on how much was being purchased. So that person that's sending somebody a hundred dollar pairs of shoes just made thousands and thousands and thousands in bonuses. I mean, yeah. it was so looking back and seeing it now, it was just like, whoa. But what yeah. I really want to talk about, and this is the really embarrassing thing, is the way that Huns incentivize people to interact with their posts and to purchase things uh-huh. or to just, I've seen women be like, if we get 500 people on this live, I'll crack a raw egg on my head. And things so like stupid. that, like I'll smash. Like, can you imagine if I face. said that to my credit union subscribers? Right. <laughs> They'd be like, oh, I'm logging in for that. They right. think I had lost my mind. Absolutely. <laughs> I've seen, I remember in like LuLaRoe that people would buy these like huge spin boards. Everybody yeah. had these live sales, had these big spin boards and every purchase gets a spin. And some of them said like, you know, store credit or free stuff or whatever. And we're just giving things away. When we were told in LuLaRoe, like, you want to give things away, make sure you're giving things away, bring people back. I'm like, what do we give away? The stuff that we bought? So we're just, this is on me. I'm just giving things away. Well, you know, the stuff that's been sitting around for a while that nobody wants, you know, you can keep it. Yeah. Here's another thing. (laughs) You mean you had stuff that wouldn't sell? Really? Right. I'm like, (laughs) what do you mean? You said it sells itself. What do you mean the room full of stuff that nobody wants? Another way that they would do this, and this is so shady, but again, like this is how they knew who to pick. It'd be like, I have this really ugly dress that's a large that I want to get rid of. So you mm-hmm. would say like, everybody comment their size and I'll pick a random person and send you a random thing. Yeah. And then you just wait for somebody to say large and you're like, they win and you send them the ugly yeah, large dress. <laughs> right? There's no, I wasn't randomly picking a person. I was randomly yeah. picking the first person that said the size I was trying to get rid of. Like it was that kind of stuff. So it seems really altruistic and like, oh my God, my favorite person sells so much and gives so much away. But when we talk to these people and we learn the reason they're giving these things away, I mean, we just had bins and bins and bins of stuff we couldn't get rid of. Yeah. yeah. Can I also tack on to giving stuff away and let's maybe have a conversation about business cards, catalogs, and brochures. Oh my God. Yes. So Every time I go to a doctor's office or uh, pick up food at a restaurant or go to the dry cleaner, there's all these MLM cards. Has anyone ever picked up one of those cards and made, made a purchase ever? No. So like, why do we do it? So MLM constantly leaving around business cards, catalogs with, you know, sticker with your name and your website address in the hopes that someone's going to pick it up, call you. I don't know you, but I really want you to come over to my house and do this for me. But anyway, it just reminds so, me of like religious tracks left on the windshield yes. of the grocery store or something. Yeah. Like, I put this on my car. Well, let's talk about like what business cards actually are. So, okay. Similarity, both businesses, I bought business cards, but like, let's talk about what a business card is when I meet someone and we want to connect later and have a conversation or maybe make a potential sale. We take each other's business card so that we can contact each other so that we know how to find that person to form or to further a professional connection that's already been made. I don't just leave my business cards all over <laughs> dry cleaners being like, hey, so I do. I think the business card thing, it's an MLM myth, it's not real. We do send out marketing materials. 
And I want to talk about like what we do and why it's different from an MLM. So we, we researched like who are the credit unions that are appropriate for our product? Who are the banks that are appropriate for our product? What is their address? Who's their auditor? And let's make a list and let's send information to them. The research shows that you need to touch that person four times before they will seriously consider your brand or your product or you as a consultant. So how in an MLM is the same rando going to pick up your brochure or your catalog that you left around four times? It's just not going to happen. say printed marketing materials aren't legit. They absolutely are, but it's just, that's not how it works people. Right. So like when I was in DC and we were talking to people and I was meeting people that I was like, I'd love to have you come talk about this, or I'd love to be able to talk about this later. We exchanged information. I don't even have a business card. I was like, just find me on Instagram or email me. It's the same. The real Roberta Blevins. Like it's easy. Well, you're I more probably get, than I am. <laughs> I should probably get a business card for things. I have some events coming up. That would probably be a pretty smart idea. Yeah. But yes. Getting those business cards because I was like, oh yes, thank you. I'm going to reach out to you later. Yeah. It's a way to reach you. And I think the MLMs think if you have business cards, you have a business and that's just, right. that's just not true. Right. You can't just be like throwing them around all willy nilly, like Snoopy hiding Easter eggs. Like yeah. you have to connect with people and be like, here you go. This is yeah. me. Here's how you can get a hold of me. Here's my phone number. Here's my email. Here's the best ways to get a hold of me. Yeah. That's what that's um, for. Can we talk about the disaster that is MLM training events? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we can what talk a real training event <laughs> Yes. Okay. So here's the thing. Like I, as a hairstylist, I had been to a ton. I used to work for Paul Mitchell. Yeah. And so we had all kinds of training events that I would go to with like cutting classes, color classes, placement classes, technique classes, product knowledge, like so many different things at a convention. And I remember actually taking things away, not only like education and knowledge and things like that, skills, but also a lot of free product. I got a lot of free stuff when I would go to hair conventions. Yeah. That is not the case in an MLM. It was very different. I was blinded by the confetti cannons or whatever that I didn't really say on the first time around. I've heard you refer to these as a troll party. (laughs) Yeah, it is though. It is. With Justin Timberlake music um, and everything. I went to a cell and dot training and I don't, I don't want to, it was silly. It was stupid. They gave us bad advice, horrible advice, said inappropriate things. It wasn't a troll party. It was actually, it was at like one of the nicest venues in Charlotte where I live and a really nice hotel, beautiful conference room, beautiful food. Everyone was like dressed to the nines, but okay. So it seems like the MLMs actually make money off of these trainings. Okay. Oh yeah. So I paid to go. So let's talk about if you have a real business. So you have employees, you send them to training. So first of all, you would pay them, you would pay their fees to go to the training and you would compensate them for their time that they spend in the training. And you also, you have the opportunity cost there for the business is you lose your employee 
and their productivity for a full day. So there's costs beyond just like paying for it. So you definitely aren't making money off of this. So if like me, I'm a business owner, training is a legitimate expense of like, as a professional, I do need to keep up with certain professional training requirements. It's called CPE. And I do that. It's a legitimate expense of my business. So it's just, it's completely different. I could probably talk about MLM trainings all day. Well, I will and say, they're not really trainings though. They're not. They're, hype events. they're sales meetings. And the one you went to sounds more like a ladies who lunch than yeah, like a yeah. training. Yeah. They I also remember... they teased a Tory Birch collaboration that never happened. Yeah. Right. So still waiting on that one. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And I'll say like, I met a lot of ladies at that event. Some of them were, were honest. And we're like, I really want to make something out of this. I really want to, like, I want to prove to my husband that this is legit. That's so sad. You know, I heard that a lot. And then some people were just acting like they were, you know, making it a big deal. And that's, it's, they're every single one of those characters is at every single MLM convention or meeting. Absolutely. Yeah. And here's the other thing, right? These companies are making a ton of money because at a regular Mm -hmm. business meeting, if you have somebody come in to do a keynote speech, you pay them. Yeah. It's a paid gig doing a keynote speech or coming in and doing in some way, whether you're compensated for your travel and your day or you're compensated for your time, whatever it is, there's some sort of compensation. And in an MLM, you're not compensated. The people that are on stage are people like you and me who are so thrilled to be picked that we would Mm -hmm. do it for free. And really, that's the only way that it's available is for free. And these people, they're coming in. And I remember when like people are like, oh, are you going to pay us? Deanne would be like, what do you think your bonus checks are for? Like your yeah. bonus checks pay for this. You're at a place where you're so high up that you're getting all of these things. And that's why you're getting these opportunities. It's an, it's an expectation. Well, she would say, I know how much you make. I sign your paychecks. I know you can afford it. Wow. If we would say, well, I don't know if I can do it. I can't really, you know, if I'm not so, going to get paid. Oh, well, I sign your paychecks. I know you can afford it. That's, that's the horrible. kind of stuff you'd get back. That's again, hum- it's not brag. a business. <laughs> So I'm speaking at a conference next month and this is going to make me sound way cooler than I am. So Aaron Brockovich is actually the keynote at this conference. And do you think that the organizers shamed Aaron Brockovich for wanting to get paid as a speaker for this conference? Or do you think that she commanded a hearty paycheck to do that? Because she's worth it. Like work it girl, Aaron, you're my queen. I love you. If someone reaches Um, out to you and thinks that you are at least at some level where they're willing to pay you to mm -hmm. speak and it works for you, then do it. I mean, I got into the paid speaking gigs last year and it was really cool. And I totally would do it for free because the opportunity was just so (laughs) cool. But the fact that I got paid too was really great. You know, I love it. It it feels good the first time someone pays you. And it was a totally Um, different thing than being asked to speak at an MLM conference. Yeah. Now, you know, as a person promoting my business, there are conferences I go to and I pay my company pays that organization to be associated with it. And then we speak. That's kind of a different deal than, you know, than the paid speaker gigs. Both are totally legitimate and both can like promote your business in different ways. But yeah, it's just a different world from MLM time. So here's one that I think is maybe a little bit, a little bit more difficult to talk about. So retail MLM, you might actually resent people in your life that choose not to purchase from you. Like not you go into it with that intention, but you might be like so-and-so went to such and such store and bought a bunch of stuff and they didn't buy anything from me. And it just, it doesn't feel good. 
And like, that's not okay. First of all, nobody owes me anything about what they spend their money on, what they put on their body. That's just not okay. But like, let me tell you, I don't expect anything from my friends or family related to the audit library. I really don't. I am in a profession. So I know some people, some of them have chosen to become paid subscribers. 99% of my clients are people I did not know before I started this. I know that my product is the best on the market. And if anyone says no, thank you, I move on and I don't think about it again, honestly. And like, I could not say that in MLM. No, not at all. It's a completely different ballgame. Yeah. One thing I'll just say really quick, social media, MLMs want you to constantly be posting on social media. And again, you're trying to reach that warm market that we talked about. In my world now, my business belongs on LinkedIn. That's where business goes. The people in my life don't need to know anything about this business if they don't want to know about this business. And I, I just think that that's a healthier relationship to have. Yeah. <laughs> in LuLaRoe, could you have taken a day to just go hiking and not be obsessed with if someone's trying to text you or ping you on Facebook Messenger and maybe get a sale? And I mean... Physically, yes. Mentally, yeah, no. Good answer. Right? Physically, yeah. Like no one was like, con like I was not constrained over here. Like you can't do that. But mentally I was. I mean, I yeah. literally left a camping trip to go unpack boxes of LuLaRoe. Mm -hmm. Like I literally did that. So I could say, no, that would never happen. But there's proof to the contrary that's yeah. already happened. So, you know, it is what it is and it was what it was. And I know that now hindsight, they say is 2020. It absolutely is. I can see those things and go, you know what? I don't really need to be on the internet. Another yeah. thing that I love to do because I love to share things. I've started yeah. just using live photos, just live photos. Oh, cool. So it takes me a second, take a snap, take a snap, take a snap. When I go back to make an Instagram reel, those live photos become little like one, two second videos. And I can then make, I call them adventure videos. And Aww. it doesn't really take a ton of time out of my day other than me going, yeah. this would be a really cute live photo, smile, click. And I'm, I've gotten really good at taking live photos for that purpose. And so I'm yeah. able to be incredibly present, but also save things for memories and posterity as well. And it's yeah. this really great balance. I mean, sometimes my kid's like, mom, and I was like, it, was, it wasn't, we got to take one more. She's like, Ugh. but it's, it's a very <laughs> short blip. And then later she appreciates it. And I think she'll appreciate, yeah, she, it, later she'll appreciate it later. <laughs> but I mean, to not have to live on my phone, to just be able to just yes. pop something out, take a photo and put it away or whatever, and then deal with all that stuff later. I love going places where there's no Wi-Fi just so that I don't mm -hmm. have to worry about it. Yeah. Or putting my phone on airplane mode and just be like, I'll be back later. It's really important to take those breaks. And because social media was such a form of dopamine for me previously, yeah. I know that I can get it there, but I also want to train my brain to know that it's available other places yeah. and it's not just I, on Instagram. It can be out in the mountains or it can be at, like a new taco spot too. Like I can get out and do other things and I don't have to be so yeah. tied to who I thought I had to be to be successful yeah. now. Yeah. This wasn't even on my list, but you made me think of it when I need that day off, I tell, you know, if I'm working with a consulting client, I just tell them, Hey, I really need this time. I will be back refreshed first thing Tuesday morning and we'll deal with whatever. And they're always accepting of that. Always. No one ever says that's unacceptable. <laughs> right. And I was so afraid because like, that's how I felt in MLM because that's how everything was. And then yeah. coming out of it and being like, Oh, people aren't actually like that. 
People are actually yeah, really yeah. understanding. I just felt like I had to constantly like bend over backwards for whatever crazy thing a person would want me to do. And it's just like the real world is not like that. And if, if people are like that, you don't need to work together. You're not so desperate for a sale that you need to take abuse from somebody. Right. I remember once this was a friend hosted a trunk show and her friend bought something from me online. I think it was earrings and she got the earrings and a stone was missing from the earrings. And okay, this is literally a two minute fix because they actually have really good customer service. And you can just call and be like, Hey, send them a new pair of earrings. No problem. I need to talk to you. I was really looking forward to these earrings and everything that I expected. I'm so disappointed. And I just had to sit there and listen to this sob story when I had a fix in my pocket, because I felt like I just needed the sale so badly. And I didn't, you know, I couldn't just be me and say like, Hey, I'm going to fix this for you. Like, I'm on it. Can you just trust me to fix this? And it was just like, you get in these situations where you have to interact with people that you wouldn't normally, you wouldn't normally let people treat you that way. And, and you're stuck in the MLM because you need the sale. Yeah. That's a really yeah. great point is we put up with a lot of abuse. We don't need to put up with because yeah. we're afraid of losing the sale because we sell the yeah. same thing that so many other people sell that if you yes. upset the customer, they're like, fuck you. I'll go somewhere else then. Bye. Yeah. Like I can buy those stud <laughs> earrings anywhere. I wonder what the, like the inner monologue of that woman, when she opened up those earrings and the stone was missing, I wonder if it, she was angry or if she was embarrassed or if she was sad and what her inner monologue was for a while yeah. before she finally reached out to you with that diatribe of like, I am yes. so disappointed as opposed yeah. to just being like, Hey, Can hey, I get new earrings? could you fix it? Sure. Done. Done. Not a problem. Do you know what I mean? Well, like sometimes I think we make yeah. the problem so big in our mind yes. that when we present it as this huge problem and it's not, it, there's a simple fix and we create a lot of unnecessary drama Yeah, for no reason. Yeah. And I have some thoughts about like why that might've been, but you, you raised such a good point that was on my list. I said, MLM, there's not much unique about you in relation to the business. The product line is what it is. Why would people buy from you? Why do you need your own website? It's the same products. There's a thousand people selling this stuff and it's all the same. Like maybe you have a little bit of a different way with people than another person, but it's, it's all the same jewelry or whatever the product is. In my business, my product is absolutely unique and, and it, it could only have been created by me and John in our partnership for the specific clients that we have. So, so, you know, think about that. I'm getting ahead of myself here, but like, okay, if you're thinking about joining an MLM, what are you going to provide that the other person right next to you, who's also in the MLM can't also provide? Absolutely. Um, I mean, we're all yeah. selling the same exact thing. One of the things that I learned very early on in the beauty industry was it's like, it's 10% like how you do it and what you know, and like 90% mm -hmm. who you are and how you present yourself because yeah. anybody can cut hair. I mean, take some practice, but anybody can do a specific skill with practice. What sets you apart, right? Right. Is it your personality? Is it your charisma? Is it the extras that you sprinkle on? Is it all of the above? Is it Just the story? Just being a pleasant person to sit and right. talk to for two hours. Like right. that's if huge. If you're going to sit in my chair for two hours, we better get along for at least two yeah. or three hours worth of time at a time because yeah. we're going to be stuck together. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just think it's so much of who you are and what you offer and what you have going for you and not always necessarily what you're selling because, you know, like you said, you have competitors, but people want to come to you because you're thorough and you've got a great personality and you're really great mm -hmm. with customer service. And if there's a problem, you're going to fix it. Do you know? Yeah. You're yeah. different from someone else. 
Maybe people yeah. just like you because they you tell funny jokes and I can just really like her because she's always got a zinger. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's those little things. And that's personality. Yeah. And then it goes right back to sales when everyone yeah. is selling the same thing. And the only thing that sets you apart is your charisma. It goes mm-hmm. right back to sales. And when people are like, I'm mm-hmm. not a salesperson, because this is at the end of the day, a very high pressure, low success sales job. Good way to put it. I mean, it really is, right? Well, Let's also talk about like the consumer experience and how ridiculous it is at MLMs. So MLMs seem to make the consumer experience as confusing and complicated as they possibly can. So just like pick an MLM, go on their website, buy something, don't accidentally join, don't get harassed until the end of time. I dare you. I dare you to try it. Now I dare you to return something. Good luck. (laughs) My website, we make the checkout process as simple and straightforward as possible because we we want that sale. We want that person to use the product. We want them to love it, tell their friends and subscribe next year. We have about, we have over 90% retention of clients, which is awesome, especially since people leave the industry. And that's the main reason why we lose clients, which that's a good reason to lose clients is because they get a better job somewhere else. (laughs) So, you know, I can sleep pretty well at night with that. I think maybe a good wrap up here is maybe a little uncomfortable, but like, let's talk about the little, the little white lies that you tell to yourself mostly. Yeah. Like, I want to say I'm not like people come on your show and they've been through so much and that's not my experience. Like my experience was silly and stupid, but I didn't lose money that I couldn't afford to lose. I didn't lose friends. People rolled their eyes at me, I'm sure, but I don't think I damaged anything like permanently or long-term, but little white lies get told all the time. And I'll give you an example. At that awful training I went to, one of the things that all the stylists had was you'd get a yearly planner with, you know, Stella and Dot branding and the Chevron on it and all the Tiffany blue that I'm still not sure how they got to use Tiffany blue on everything. And so one of the facilitators was like, well, if your daughter's name is Sophia, just write Sophia a couple of Saturdays. And then it'll look like you have a show with someone named Sophia that day and, and open up your planner to show your potential hostess, how busy you are and, you know, how in demand the product is. And So that's like lying by omission, right? Like putting something out there that's technically true, but isn't really true. And this can come from your upline or it can just come from like lying to yourself. Like, yeah, I'll spend money, but it's my budget for this year. I'll make it back. I'll do this. My friends love the jewelry. They wouldn't buy it if they didn't love it. Your friends will do stuff for you. They don't necessarily think that your jewelry is the most fabulous jewelry in the world, but they, they care about you. And do you want to do that to your friends to put them in the position where they have to weigh their feelings about you for making a monetary purchase? That's just not cool. And in the real world, I'll just say honesty is not only required, but it's usually rewarded. Like when you can be real with your clients, John and I are getting a bit of a reputation in the industry for like, we're the consultants who will tell you like it is. And people are refreshed by that because they don't always hear it. <laughs> Absolutely. So before we wrap this up and do rapid fire questions, let's go over as somebody who's a business owner, can you mm-hmm. give us some really good, just general business advice to anybody who's listening that you think might help? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I have a lot of thoughts about this. So you might have to cut me off. Sorry. So I want to say, first of all, don't start a business without 
having your finances figured out. What do you need to launch? How much will it cost? How will you fund it? How will you support yourself during the early phases? Because you will not make money for a while unless you are a very odd case. It is going to take a while to have this turn into something. So just go in. I like to just be a realistic person and just have the full picture. So definitely think about that. I I think it would honestly, it would be maybe a little irresponsible of me if I didn't mention that. Give yourself a budget and give yourself a timeline. And if you haven't met your goal by the end of your timeline, move on, move on, do something else. There's so many cool things that anyone can do in this world. And then if you have an idea or if you see a need for a business, I think that's great. The idea isn't the business. And I, I think a lot of people get caught up on, I have an idea. Therefore, I need to pursue this idea. I need to spend a ton of money on this idea. I need to hire a lawyer to protect my idea. Don't fall in love with your own idea. The idea is actually the easiest part of the business. (laughs) Um, It is the easiest part of being an entrepreneur. I have ideas all the time and I have to talk myself out of ideas so that I can focus on my core business all the time. I'm such an idea person. I just got to say, yeah. not all of them are winners. Yeah. And, and there's just not enough hours in the day. I would also say, don't get yourself into a business without a plan for how you will get yourself out of the business. Will you close your doors? Will you sell your business? Will you leave it to your heirs? Consider this at the beginning so that you go in with realistic expectations. I think that's really important. I think you can back me up on this one. Don't hire someone without a clear understanding of what they will do. Clients of mine have gotten into trouble when they just hire people to solve problems for them. And that's just not really, it can work, but it usually doesn't. So don't ever pay someone to figure it out for you. Figure it out for yourself and tell your employee or your contractor, whatever. Hey, this is what I need from you. This is what I expect from you. Absolutely. If that sounds difficult, welcome to being an entrepreneur. Right. (laughs) It took me me like two years to be like, what do I love doing? What is the thing that like makes my executive dysfunction be like, but there's a new episode of so-and-so on instead. And like those things to be like, this is what I need. So when I brought Kayla on, I was like, I just need you to like get out the majority of the ums and the uhs, the stuff that like makes me go and zone out (laughs) and anything's like that. And then it's been such a really great collaborative experience because not only is she a friend, but she's a fan of the show. And so she's like, you know, it would be really great. We should start doing this or that, or, you know, would you like me to help you with this? And we're like coming up with promo stuff and we're working on all this stuff. And it's like, it's been really wonderful because she's like, do you need help researching that? I can research it. And she'll like send me research notes. And I'm like, you literally just saved me four hours. And she's like, yeah, "Yeah." it was just, you know, like the baby was that. You can focus on what you need to be focusing on to be an engaged host, which is not easy, by the way. (laughs) She'll send me like invoices. And I was like, oh my God, you did all this stuff. Thank you. Like, this is incredible. Like she's fantastic. And then also the other person that I'm working with, again, is a really wonderful collaborative person with me. And we've already workshopped so many ideas and so many, like, Mm -hmm. do you think we could do this? Is this possible? And then she comes back and goes, well, what do you think about this? I'm like, oh my God, can we incorporate? It's just, it's wonderful. And to find somebody that not only fits, but understands your vision and wants to help move it forward 
it was, yeah. it was so great. And I'm just, I'm really excited for this year and next year too. You know, it's yeah. definitely getting to a point where it's like this becoming a well-oiled machine. And I'm very excited yeah. about it. I've mentioned legal and IP intellectual property. If you pursue that, find out what you're actually protecting. <laughs> so we do live in the free market system. I can't stop people from competing with me. I can't, and, and that's, and nor should I, that wouldn't be right. Okay, I can go open a hamburger restaurant. I just can't call it McDonald's and not expect to get sued. What is a copyright? It doesn't mean someone won't rip me off. It just means if they do and I pursue a legal avenue to sue for damages, I'm more likely to come out on top. So it, it doesn't mean that the government's going to shut down a cheater brand for me. That's that's just not what it is, right? And like, we wouldn't want to live in a world where that's what was happening anyway. So, <laughs> no. you know, invest what you can in protecting your business and, and don't go crazy with it. Because like I said, if you have something to protect, there's ways to do that besides getting lawyers involved. If you buy an ad, you have legal protection for your brand from that. And there's there's a lot of interesting ways that you're actually protected just as much as filing official paperwork. So I'd also like to talk about time freedom. So MLMs are always talking about this. It's a complete myth that you get time freedom in your MLM because you're always thinking about your MLM. You're always thinking about ways to monetize your relationships. It's incredibly damaging, even if it's not as bad as some of the horror stories that you hear from Roberta. It's very damaging. Time freedom, I'm going to say it can happen. If you're an entrepreneur, there's just no such thing as the perfect schedule. It's likely that as a business owner, you're just going to be putting out fires sometimes. And that's just kind of how it goes. Sometimes those fires need to be put out when you don't want to do it. <laughs> when you wanted to be with your family and do other things, just know that this is the reality. And just set a plan for making the most of your free time when you have it. And when it doesn't work out, just be kind to yourself and make the best of it and move on. And then my last piece of advice is find a business partner, find someone that you enjoy being around and find someone who brings something to the table that you don't bring to the table. Just like you said, with your associates that you work with, it's not always possible, but but if you can find a business partner, like it'll honestly enrich your life. So love you, John. <laughs> yeah, similar enough to understand the vision, but different enough to challenge yes. you and to pull you out of your box and you pull them mm -hmm. out of theirs. And in that space is where you come up with these really incredible ideas where you're like, what did we just discover? So yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Even though it's just me, like I do have associates that I work with yeah. in, in the cult spaces and the podcast spaces and yes. anti-MLM and all these different places. And it really is, you know, like I've, I've been in this space a long time and I've really cultivated the relationships with the people that I really value. And, and we have a very similar vision. We understand we're doing a lot of stuff on the back end. I know that I can count on them. I know that yeah. they know what they're doing and I can trust them and go, I don't know, you know, do it, handle it. Yeah. And then they bring it to me and I'm like, oh, this is more perfect than I could have ever even expected. Like, this is so yeah. incredible. And so being able to find those people, it does take time, but being able to find those people, whether you bring them on full time or as an associate or on a contractual basis, Finding your people to make mm -hmm. your business or whatever it is that you're doing so much better is amazing when you can get there. And if you're in the space where you're like, I want to be there and you're not there yet, it's okay. Because I wasn't yeah. there immediately. 
Olivia wasn't there immediately. It takes time. Like we said, use the free versions of things, join the Facebook groups, ask questions. The people in these spaces, they want to help, you know, like I haven't really in a legitimate space, haven't found anybody that's like, ew, no, I'm not going to help you. I've only only experienced that in MLM. Yeah. I had a former subscriber who left the industry reach out to me recently and say like, hey, I, I have an idea. Will you workshop it with me? And I said, absolutely, because it's the yeah. right thing to do. Yes. It might turn into something monetarily for me. It might not. It's fine. It's okay to just mm-hmm. take your time to help another person and not expect something in return. Absolutely. Like, That's called being a person. Absolutely. (laughs) And I've been able to do that and put myself in spaces because of opportunities that I've got from the podcast and Lula Rich and everything like that to make really great networking associations and friendships. And then really cool opportunities come up later where they're like, would you be interested? And I'm like, yes, you have to put yourself out there. You can't just sit around and hope that people are reading your mind and go, I really hope someone asks me to do something. Leave a business card and hope someone calls you. You can't just leave a business (laughs) card on a cork board and hope somebody goes, I really need needed that service while they're waiting for their takeout order. You form a connection and years down the road that can turn into something. I mean, it's crazy how life works out. I can also imagine for you dealing with the subject matter that you deal with. It's really healthy to have people that you can talk to about this stuff. Um, I, I hope my interview was a bit of a break from the heavy stuff for you. So there have been the only person I'm mad at is myself for getting myself into this. (laughs) But you know, I got myself out of it too. So absolutely. And I'm so happy that you got yourself out and that you built this incredible sustainable business and that you're doing so well. It is really inspiring. And I know that people listening, you know, they get inspired and they go, if she can do it, I can do it. I was with Stella and Yeah, I want to do this. I want to start my own business. I've got a person I could be a business partner with. Like these are the thoughts that go through people's heads when they connect with these episodes. And so to be able to make an episode with somebody who's been there, done that, and is so willing to share and connect, like you said, find her on LinkedIn. I will throw all of your stuff yeah, yeah, in the sure. show notes so everybody can find you if they want to connect or if they need your services. Yeah. Are you ready to do some rapid fire questions? I would love to do the rapid fires. What is one word that encompasses how you feel about MLMs? Sad. I think MLMs are sad. I think they make people sad. You bring an air of desperation into your business when it's an MLM that I don't think you real, I don't think we realize when we're there and it just makes people feel bad. Yeah. It's like pity. And like, no one wants to be pitied, but it's like cloaked in pity. It's like, nobody will buy my lipstick. Eventually, in a lot of cases, it turns into, I just need one person to buy from me this month and I can sustain this or hit that or do this. It's like, just don't do it. You guys, you're better than this. So give me a warning to somebody who wants to join an MLM. Okay. I have a warning and I've actually done this. Okay. So MLMs are very good. Even when you're aware of them, MLMs are very good at making you think, hmm, maybe, maybe I could make this one work. So once I got that little inkling and I, I had already been through Stella and Dot, but I had an inkling. I just had a little gut feeling. Okay. So here's what I did. And I'm going to tell everybody just there's no harm will come. Just try this. If you're thinking of it, if they're trying to pull you in, send an email to like your 10 best, most supportive friends and say, I'm thinking of joining this MLM. 
please look at their website. Tell me what you would purchase and tell me if you would be willing to host or join my downline. Okay, that is their chance to say to you because you're not in yet, don't do it. Okay, so, <laughs> so honestly, Absolutely. you're not in yet. So you don't have anyone in your ear saying those people don't support you or, you know, whatever the MLM's going to say. My guess is eight of them are just going to ignore you. These are your people and they're still ignoring you. Two of them are going to say, because it's you, I will buy this and that. I think it's too much, but I will buy it because it's you. And that will tell you right there what you need to know. And that's your warm market. Yes. <laughs> so now imagine people who don't already care about you. <laughs> Can I also just give advice to someone who maybe your partner is considering? So I think, and I guess I'm mostly, I hate to say this. I guess I'm mostly talking about husbands and their wives right here, but like that's most of the relationships that, that we're dealing with here. So sorry if this sounds like heteronormative, I, I didn't mean to. So if your partner is considering joining an MLM, something is going on with your partner that they are trying to fix with the MLM. Okay. So for me, it was baby weight and wanting to shop more. And that is not a reason to join a cult. Maybe just ask your partner point blank, like what's going on and how can I support you? Maybe they just need a little retail therapy. Like if they just want to buy stuff, I know not everybody has disposable income, but if you can let them buy a few things for themselves that they wouldn't normally buy and keep them from joining that MLM that they wanted to join to be able to buy stuff, you're going to be better off. You just are. And then maybe it's not something retail with them. Maybe they're trying to be more fulfilled. Can they start a business, take up a hobby, go to, you know, take up an exercise regime, go to a class, pursue a degree, something like empathetically try to figure out what's going on with that person that they're trying to fit around, peg into a square hole here with this MLM, like whatever they're trying to get out of it, they're not going to get out of it. So support your partner and try to figure out what that is and try to help them. Right. That's excellent. What is the worst MLM in your opinion? I think it's Amway. I think you can't really beat Amway. But I think those wellness MLMs are, are really high up there too. Ooh, those wellness MLMs. Yes. Oh, <laughs> they know. They out. know exactly <laughs> who they are. What is the hardest lesson that you learned in MLM? For me, and this is me, for me, it was know your business. My business is I'm an internal auditor. I have an expertise. My expertise is very valuable. And spending time trying to be a fashion influencer was a distraction from my business. And it, I don't want to say it set me back. That's impossible to know, but it was a distraction. This is time and effort that I should have been putting into my core business and what makes me a successful person. I love that. <laughs> Trying to be a fashion influencer. <laughs> like, There's like 10 people on the face of the earth who can be fashion influencers. So your, your, your I, MLM will not girl, turn you into one that. of those people. <laughs> And then give me a positive takeaway from your time in MLM. Yeah. I know lots of weird jewelry words like Vermeil. Google search probably could have learned that too. I My positive takeaway, it's friends who looked great in their jewelry. And they did. I would never take that away from someone. Could this have been accomplished by going to the mall together? Yes. 
Absolutely. Or just going on alibaba.com together. (laughs) I'm going to go on Alibaba after this, by the way. (laughs) I swear, just search jewelry. It comes right up. You're like, wait a second. I think think we made a pretty good case that reality and expectations aren't always aligned when you're in one of these and you think things are happening that are in fact not. MLM is the perfect real life example of the Instagram like reality versus expectation Mm -hmm. for business. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Olivia, for coming on the show and sharing your expertise and your story. It was wonderful. Thank you so much for listening to Life After MLM. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. And follow us on social media at Life After MLM Podcast and my advocacy at The Real Roberta Blevins. You can find all of the links to the social accounts in our show notes. And if you just listened to that incredible story and you thought, oh my God, I have a story just like that that needs to be told, hit me up, therealrobertablevins at gmail.com. I would love to have you on the show to share your story and start your journey in life after MLM. See you next time, Hans. Thank you.